This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You know what's frustrating? Tell me. I feel like I like to take the moment just to, before we dive into This is a PSA of frustration. Well, it's not that. It's just, I just was, I was in Palm Springs, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I had friends there and I kept telling them to not feed Coco. Don't, oh, don't give your dog. Just as a reminder, if anyone doesn't know who Coco is. If you don't, then welcome to the show because you're late. <laughs> um, but they kept feeding her little snacks without me knowing. That's not cool. It pissed me off. Yeah. And now, one, she doesn't want to eat her own food. Ooh. And then, guess who has diarrhea? Oh, not you. I, well, <laughs> maybe. Not right now. I am eating greeneries. You know what happens when you eat greens. Okay. <laughs> But no, seriously, it's really annoying because now I have to deal with it. She like threw up everywhere. Oh. She like, you know, pooped in my in, on my brand new carpet. Really? Oh, this is not good. You should just send the bill to your friends. Well, I, well, I know. First of all, I know how to handle it like this, so we're not going to, unless it gets worse. What are you going to say to um, your friends now? Oh, I, I've had to think about it because I, my first reaction is to react and be mean. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be like, I'm never vacationing with you again. <laughs> there you go. That's not mean at all. I no, think actually, I don't know. I don't, it's not that big of a deal. I have an idea. Just, when a dog owner tells you not to feed your, their dog human stuff, listen to them. Because it's not like it was a big dog. Coco's a small dog. It doesn't matter. You got to respect. You never know. It's real. Just put a sign on the dog while they're running around that says, don't feed me. No, I'm not going to do that. You want me to ostracize my dog? <laughs> yeah. You want me to other my dog? <laughs> For her health. Okay, lots coming up on the show today. Jamie Lee Curtis introduced the world to her trans daughter. That's in the T-Report in a moment. Plus, as live events come back, we're discussing the science behind it and why we love live music. Really cool. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Oh, by the way, that's at um, what time? 4.25 p.m. Pacific 7, 25 p.m. Eastern, if you were wondering. Stick around. So first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The trans employee resource group at Netflix planned a company-wide walkout today in protest of remarks made by joint CEO Ted Sarandis regarding Dave Chappelle's recently released comedy special, The Closer. We've been talking a lot about this, of course. LGBTQ activists say Chappelle made a number of anti-trans comments in that special. And today's walkout comes after the streaming service reinstated three employees who were suspended for attending a director-level meeting they had not been invited to in order to discuss the special. And another employee was fired for leaking information about the cost of the special, too. 
Meanwhile, the company and CEO has since apologized the past 24 hours. In a statement, the CEO Sarandis admitted he screwed up. And the big blanket statement should have been, of course, storytelling has an impact on the real world, sometimes positive and sometimes negative. It's not an apology if you say, if you say I screwed up, but then also say your stance hasn't changed. Well, here's, yeah, here's also the thing. He says he doesn't have any regrets about releasing the special, not editing it, and not putting any content warnings. That's not apology. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, um, our favorite, Ashley Marie Preston, who is one of the organizers, called out uh, Netflix and the co-CEO who made that statement. And here's what she had to say. I'm here to let Ted know that if he won't stand up for their rights, we will. And that's the reason why we're here today. We are here today not because we don't know how to take a joke. We're here because we're concerned that the jokes are taking lives. And that's not a laughing matter. Well, congrats to uh, Ashley Marie Preston, who continues doing great work, and everyone who showed up today to uh, stand in solidarity with uh, the trans community and against Netflix. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, so Jamie Lee Curtis is introducing the world to her trans daughter, Ruby. It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So nearly three months after revealing that her youngest child is trans, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis sat down for an interview with her daughter, Ruby, about the 25-year-old's transition and journey to self-acceptance. Jamie admitted on Wednesday that, quote, learning new terminology and words has been challenging at times, but she is determined to put in the work for Ruby. She says, it's speaking a new language. I am new at it. I'm not someone who is pretending to know much about it, and I'm going to blow it, and I'm going to make mistakes. I would like to try and avoid making big mistakes. Now, Ruby, for her part of the interview, told the magazine People, Um, that she was intimidated by the idea of coming out to Curtis and her father. But she ultimately did not have to worry about um, their reactions. (laughs) Ruby shared that she was about 16 when she began to think about her gender identity. Um, It's fully, it's a beautiful, in-depth interview. If you want to read more, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because it's right there. It's it's really, really good. It's it's refreshing to hear Jamie Lee Curtis speak and then, of course, her daughter getting center yeah, stage. Yeah, beautiful. You Love had that. deleted something that I was going to say by Oh, accident. I did. Uh, Christopher Guest, I can't... I didn't realize the director. That was... Uh, Curtis's husband. <laughs> Christopher Guest, amazing yeah. comedy director. Anyway. Yeah, that's the reason why I giggled because she had, she was in the. Office, I was copying and pasting it to see a picture of him. It by accident. Oops. <laughs> well, that uh, that was some tea. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> tea and an early yes, Queen. Yes, I know, right? I got more coming up next hour. Beautiful. Well, next up, the White House's plan to vaccinate kids ages 5 to 11 against COVID. That is next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Biden administration announced today its plan for vaccinating children ages 5 to 11 ahead of the FDA's anticipated emergency use authorization of the Pfizer vaccine for kids in that age range. Uh, They are allocating 20 million doses to children of that age, which will be given by more than 25,000 pediatric and primary care providers. And they're going to set up vaccine sites at children's hospitals, too. Joining us to share more about how this is all going to go down is Dr. Amesh Adalja, senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Sure, Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what is your take on the plan here? I think the plan is a, is a good one, and one of the most notable things about it is that they're going to enlist pediatricians to give these vaccines. And we know that 
people trust doctors that they deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis that they already have a relationship with. And I think that's something we should have done with adults, too, uh, that we should have had primary care physicians giving vaccines to adults because that gives people the opportunity to ask questions and to really be able to feel comfortable about getting a vaccine. And I think that's going to be really important for this pediatric group, but it's also important for the adult group uh, that still has a lot of people not vaccinated. Yeah, so true. And I know reports yesterday were saying that federal regulators are expecting to like authorize this, um, where like authorize mixing and matching COVID-19 booster shots. Is that ideal? Is there going to be a, like an ideal mix and match kind of situation or combination that we could expect? Well, just a couple of minutes ago, the FDA did authorize mixing and matching. Uh, so that's already happened. Now, what will happen is the CDC tomorrow will convene its its committee, the ACIP, and they're going to talk about how to actually operationalize mixing and matching. And the ideal mix and match may be people who receive the Johnson & Johnson vaccine getting a dose of one of the mRNA vaccines, Moderna or Pfizer, based on the data that we see that the boost from an mRNA vaccine after Johnson & Johnson seems to be really, uh, kind of really uh, unexpectedly high and good. Uh, it's not vice versa, but probably the J&J followed by mRNA will be what happens. What should parents know about vaccinating their kids? Well, they should know that vaccines, this COVID-19 vaccine has been put into hundreds of millions of people's arms around the world, that it is safe and effective, that the reason it's taken so long to have a vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds is because there's been so much attention to safety that they conducted a completely different trial, used a completely different dosing regimen, and really wanted to get the risk-benefit ratio right because children between the ages of 5 and 11 are mostly spared from severe consequences of disease. So you want to make sure that the vaccine actually benefits them. And when you look at the data, it does benefit them, and it is a safe vaccine in this age group. So I think that they should be reassured that, that this has taken, uh, that this was done, done so um, judicious, judiciously that, they, that this wasn't just a, a knee-jerk decision to vaccinate or, or to develop a vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds. I guess, uh, just finally, is there any worry about enrolling you know, parents with this um, and making this happen because, again, uh, already we've seen the reaction from adults and they're going to be the ones to bring their kids there. So what is your, what's your thought on that, dealing with that? I don't expect every 5 to 11-year-old to be vaccinated because if you look at 12 to 17-year-olds, they have a very low vaccination rate. Maybe about 50% of them have been vaccinated. So it's probably going to be lower than that. And so, so it is going to be important that parents... Uh, feel that this is a value to their children and, and to their child's individual life. And I think the data does support that. But I know we're going to be facing vaccine hesitancy in the 5 to 11 group, just as we face vaccine hesitancy in the 12 to 17 and in the adult group. Okay, well, that was Dr. Amash Adal, just senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thank you again. Well, next up, walkouts and strikes are hitting hospitals in pandemic hotspots. What you need to know next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, labor strikes and resignations are hitting hospitals who have been dealing with the pandemic over the past 20 months. Joining us right now is Darius Tahir, an e-health reporter for Politico Pro, as we dive into what's actually happening. Thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you? Great. You know, lots happening in the world today, um, and we appreciate you for being here. It's really sad to see this happening uh, across the board, is this happening everywhere or in specific spots? 
Uh, it seems to be nationwide. I mean, mm. uh, we've seen strikes on the East Coast, uh, the West Coast, um, you know, Chicago, uh, in the Midwest, um, really all down the country. Uh, and then we've seen the number of uh, resignations uh, from healthcare jobs uh, reach a record high uh, in August, uh, the most recent month we have data available. Uh, so it's it's really a nationwide trend uh, these these staffing uh, challenges. Yeah. So what are these healthcare workers saying that they want? Uh, like, what's going to get them, you know, to come back to their jobs if they even want to? Uh, so I mean, they're saying they're uh, overworked. Uh, that there is, are uh, lots of patients who have COVID. There are lots of patients who, uh, you know, are coming back into the healthcare system who maybe uh, didn't get care, uh, you know, during the worst of the pandemic, uh, and now have you know emergent issues um, that, that 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 need addressing. So there's tons of uh, care they need to give, uh, and in many cases, uh, you know, these hospitals, uh, these other healthcare institutions have not hired enough people. Uh, so you're seeing. Uh, uh, these workers who feel like they're overburdened and don't have the resources, uh, you know, to, to deal uh, with this, you know, really huge influx of care. And you've also seen a lot of, uh, you know, sort of um, complaints about, uh, you know, physical uh, and verbal abuse of uh, healthcare workers, uh, among other challenges. Pay is a classic, um, you know, concern that a lot of people have. So it really runs the gamut of, of problems and you know, fixing it is, is not likely, uh, I assume, uh, to be, uh, you know, a, a one, one, you know, silver bullet, one size fits all kind of kind of a deal. Yeah. And it seems like with other industries, too, like this needs to be rejiggered. And the pandemic really showed the vulnerabilities in the system. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, these these issues have been simmering uh, for a while uh, during the, uh, you know, before the pandemic. Uh, where you had, uh, you know, workers starting to strike at a slightly elevated level, um, you know, in 2018, 2019. But, uh, you know, the pandemic with all the stress uh, that it has has really accelerated uh, the number of issues uh, workers in, in, uh, you know, hospitals, uh, doctor's offices, uh, you know, other healthcare facilities have had. Are hospital executives, like, acknowledging these issues? What are they saying? In many cases, they are. Uh, hospitals are saying, uh, look, you know, the, the number of staff that we have is, is really making the challenge. Uh, I took, talked to one uh, CEO uh, in a New Jersey hospital who's like, look, uh, you know, we had a record number of uh, resignations actually in our emergency department. Uh, and that's, you know, making it challenging to get uh, patients from, uh, you know, the waiting room uh, to the private room uh, in time. And, and he said, uh, he pointed to, uh, some of the statistics we have on hospital acquired affections, uh, which is one of the key, uh, you know, measures hospitals use to, uh, you know, determine whether they're doing a good job. Uh, it's been going up uh, nationwide, uh, and and he's like, look, you know, it's it's very possible uh, that the, you know, challenges we're having of of you know retaining our workforce are 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 exacerbating these kind of problems. Yeah. So with that acknowledgement, what's going to happen? <laughs> are there, uh, is there any, you know, are there I, any hospitals I, I, providing action at all? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like uh, to predict things, you know, after the past, uh, you know, two years, I've, I've uh, given up, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to predict uh, the course and stuff. 
um, you know, it, it, it depends on, on whether hospitals are able to, you know, address these concerns we've, we've discussed. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us and for your reporting on this. We really appreciate it. Thank you. That was Darius Tahir, an e-health reporter for Politico Pro. Now, coming up, we are switching gears here, as I like to say, how to have a successful grown-up sleepover. Because someone here might be doing that very soon. We're talking about it. Yeah, that's next. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, it's time to talk about adult sleepovers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Either you're used to your adult sleepover because uh, you've been in a long-term relationship. It's more like a, I don't know, a forever stayover. That sounds depressing when you put it that <laughs> no. way. You, you know, even sounds if you're... Sounds like a, you're, you just bought your, your familial <laughs> plot at the cemetery. Oh. That's what that sounded like. Listen, I hope if you are in a partnership right now listening to this, you find ways to like have a sleepover even relationship. But for those who are new to it and jumping into something new, the first night with someone can be a bit overwhelming and intimidating. No, for sure. Um, that's that's something that I'm experiencing in real time. Yes. Um, where I've like I've gotten so anxiety filled that I've hired a maid. I've bought new <laughs> things. I've bought more things Wait, for my what? apartment to make sure I'm like uh, everything's comfortable. Like I'm buying. Like I'm like filling up my fridge just in case. Like you know, you just never know what could happen, right? Well, you know, you just got to adventure. Well, you know, and like, you know, the maid's coming on Friday or the, the cleaning service coming on Friday, which is nice. And uh, which also, by the way, watch that show on Netflix, Made. Uh-huh. Really, really good. Ryan recommends right here real time. Love it. Um, so what are you trying to create the perception here that you're clean? Well, that you yeah, always I, well, have your, your, First of all, let me be uh, clear. Your fridge. I'm, I'm always clean. My apartment <laughs> is very, very clean. Um, but, you know, I want to be able to have, like, enough towels. You know, I want to be able to, you know, have, like, 
you know, my soap dispensers. No, but like if they're taking a shower, don't you think about that? You want to have if you have like a clean, like a clean shower, clean bathroom. uh, You know, I want my room to look as nice as possible. Uh, I want there to be smell good. There's all these things that I've I've thought about that I just want. You know, and he's already been over my place before, but you know, sleeping over is just like another thing. That's when they really can find what you're hiding. Yeah, and I feel like it's different for like straight people. Oh, tell me more. Because like I, I feel like when your like boyfriend came over to your house the first time, it was like he probably wasn't caring. Like he was just like, oh yeah, whatever. He's like, I'm happy that I can just get with this right now. Is that what he was saying? <laughs> I think I've talked to some men recently who've revealed some interesting things. Like, you know, they're just like, I'm just, it's an honor to even have a, a woman say yes to me. <laughs> oh, see? That's a, it's that's like, a different although thing. Although there are then the picky ones, right? Yeah. And I'm amazed when I go to some other women's places, like my friends, I'm like, oh, you're so put together. Like, and then yeah. I go, I went into my space, like, because for a long time, as you know, I have a dorm room. Well, Chris wanted to clean for you. I got very fortunate. You're lucky, yeah. It's like very lucky. <laughs> he just wanted me to be who I am. Oh, a mess. <laughs> that is really unfortunate, so, but that's beautiful. Wait, Ryan, what new things did you buy? Oh my God, if we're being, I bought a new shower curtain, I bought new uh, bath rugs, I bought new <laughs> wow. towels, I bought, um, I, I'm buying a new trash can at Home Goods later on this okay. evening. Um, I'm buying, yeah, I'm buying, I may be buying new, like, um, new wine glasses and like, and, like, just glasses in general. Like, I'm kind of like, and I already had this stuff, but I just feel like I started to look at it this morning being like, this stuff, what if I live like a college frat boy and I don't know it until someone tells me? But I don't. I most definitely don't. I most definitely don't. My place is really nice. And he's already complimented my place, Mm. all these things. But like, you know, I just start to overthink it. And I start to get like really freaked out. And so I'm like, also, big thing here, he's sleeping over. I woke myself up because I took a nap here in the studio Uh the other day and producer Vanessa was like, you heard yourself snoring. I snore. Mm -hmm. This is like terrifying. What if that's a deal breaker for him? Well, then he's not the right person. Or maybe I'm not the right person. (laughs) (laughs) For myself. You're going to break up with yourself? (laughs) Can't you get those things like instead of snoring, you find one of those things at the the pharmacy that like covers your nose? Yeah, but like... no, like you try that's all these not things. Sexy. I know. You're I like, one second, sexy. let me put my nose strip on. Yeah. Like, you know. So here's the thing. I would give him a heads up. I would say, hey, let's be real. I do snore. If you do hear me, just actually my boyfriend does snore sometimes and he tells me to move him. Just like push me, nudge me so I wake up because it's bad for you to snore. It means you're not breathing properly. But then if you go back to sleep, you're probably gonna snore again. Not necessarily. It just it's better to not snore. So if he is there, just tell him to do that. But yeah, it might end up being the inside joke or just makes oh. you makes you closer. Just another reason to talk to my therapist. About yeah, just it. another reason to overthink this entire thing. Yep. Well, Where best of this? luck. I'm excited to hear what happens on Monday's show. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, next up, what Paris Hilton is doing on Capitol Hill. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we're back. And stick around for more music right here on Channel Q. But again, we've got more show for you. We're going to be talking about uh, what to do if your therapist wants to dump you. That's in 30 minutes because it happens to the best of us. Uh, Plus, why Deborah Messing is still dealing uh, with Kim Kardashian and this whole thing that she, she brought it up. She started trash talking Kim and now it's just following her. That's in the T-Report in a moment. 
First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. I like watching you like give little brief previews. Wink, wink. Of my tea, tea reports. Tea's teas. They, they can go either way, folks. <laughs> you know, at least I try. <laughs> now, uh, President Biden has endorsed Virginia delegate Danica Rome, the first out trans person elected to any state legislator in her bid for re-election. He wrote, building back better starts in the states. Since flipping the legislator in 2019, Virginia Democrats have been a model of progress, including helping us vaccinate folks to beat the pandemic. Now, in 2019, Democrats took control of the Virginia state legislator for the first time in 26 years. And they've since worked very quickly to pass a bunch of progressive legislation, including several LGBTQ rights bills. Now, Rome was first elected to the Virginia House of Delegates in 2017 when she defeated Bob Marshall, who was so conservative that he called himself the state's chief homophobe. So thank God that guy is out. And Rome is continuing to kill it. Uh, she was actually on our show, I believe. Yeah, so check that out in our archives. Yeah, Danica's Danica great. on Let's Go There. Now, uh, a group of congressional Democrats said today that they plan to work with none other than Paris Hilton to create new regulations to prevent the abuse of children in facilities for troubled teens. Uh, Representative Ro Khanna said he is drafting legislation that would give children in youth facilities the right to call their parents, be free from restraints, and have access to clean drinking water and nutritional meals. I mean, pretty basic. And that is actually not insured for thousands of children in these facilities nationwide. Here is Hilton on Capitol Hill. Today I come here not as Paris Hilton, but as a survivor. I want to start by thanking the other survivors speaking today. Caroline, Sixto, and especially Uvea. You are incredibly brave for sharing your personal experiences of abuse publicly and for turning your pain into a purpose to create real change in the world. Senator Jeff Merkley and Congressman Rokana, thank you for your leadership in sponsoring the Accountability for Congregate Care Act and for your commitment to ending abuse in youth congregate care facilities. I am confident that this bill will create a world where all youth have the support and opportunity they need to heal, thrive, and not just survive. Now, Hilton revealed her experience as an adolescent in four youth facilities in a YouTube documentary last year. And in an interview with NBC News today, Hilton said that she, uh, during her time in those programs, she was choked, slapped, spied on while showering and deprived of sleep. Just horrible. And uh, good on her for doing something about it. And finally, Nicholas Cruz, the gunman who carried out the massacre of students and faculty members at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in February of 2018, pleaded guilty in a Florida courtroom today to 17 counts of murder and 17 counts of attempted murder. Uh, Cruz, who's 23, faces a minimum of life in prison and maximum of the death penalty, which will be decided by a jury in the upcoming sentencing phase of the trial. The prosecution has said they plan to seek the death penalty. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan. All right, so Deborah Messing, you know, she's still dealing with the whole fallout from questioning Kim Kardashian's um, SNL worthiness. Uh, it's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, here's the thing. So she's always been outspoken, um, but she is having to retract some things. She's apologized for a September tweet asking why Kardashian was chosen to host Saturday Night Live. Uh, she appeared on Tamron Hall today to publicly apologize and discuss the whole kerfuffle mm -hmm. and her reaction after watching the show. On the show, 
um, on Tamron Hall's show, she explained that she had no intention of bullying the billionaire and was merely wondering why SNL had chosen to break with its tradition of booking performers with something to promote. Uh, she said, well, I was not intending to troll her. You know, it, it, if anybody took it that way, I apologize. That was never my intention. She is this phenomenon. I mean, you know, she is a cultural icon. Okay. I guess. You know. I, I, don't I know. mean, she said what she had to say. I just think, you know, it's all because she is, um, she hasn't gotten to host SNL yet, if I'm being quite honest. That's surprising, actually. Is it? She was part of a huge show, and she's funny. Yeah, it is. It is surprising. Um, and actually, yeah. No, now that you think about it, wait. Like, wait. at that time, are you sure? I, that's and I'm guess like. what? Kim did a pretty good job. Oh, Kim did a, a pretty good job. Um, but I don't think she's ever been on SNL. Yeah. She's never been on SNL. I've looked and she has not. So that's the T-Report. I got more coming up next hour. Uh, oh, I can't do the Odyssey anymore. It's done. Yeah. So sorry, guys. Hopefully you got in there and tried to win. You'll find out soon if you did. That's your T-Report. Okay, well, it is International Day of Pronouns today, and actually, you spoke to someone special about this. I did. I'm so excited about it. We're going to learn about the history of pronouns and why they've always been around. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So it's International Pronouns Day, and of course, we had to go into the archives. It was a really amazing conversation that I was able to have with guest host Ashar Jassel, but was all about pronouns and how we use them and how they formed language today. So get ready for that amazing conversation. Okay, so understanding how to use gender-neutral pronouns are crucial. Today, one in LGBTQ plus youth use them. But where did it all start? We have professor of English and linguistics and author of What's Your Pronoun? Beyond He and She, Dennis Barron is joining the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Char. It's great to be here. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. Um, yes, it sounds like there's two women in the studio, but there is really only one. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. Listen, I'm Char. I, I ironically have the deeper voice. <laughs> and, okay. I'm, and I'm Ryan. Um, okay. Char goes by she, her pronouns, and I go by he, him pronouns. Okay. What a beautiful way to start this. We're talking about pronouns because okay. in your book, you write about the history of pronoun use and the role pronouns have played in establishing our rights and identities. And I, I want to know what are some of the kind of um, the things that get lost in translation when we're talking about understanding pronouns? Well, one of the things is that for a lot of people talking about pronouns today, it seems like a, a really new phenomenon that uh, gender pronouns uh, are, are part of the discussion of uh, inclusivity and non-binary genders and uh, being trans or gay or somehow not fitting the typical binary that uh, gets imposed uh, on us. And in fact, the discussion of these pronouns goes back to the 18th century and the use of singular pronouns to refer to individuals, plural pronouns referring to a single person, an individual, goes back to the 14th century when we first start seeing singular they in reference to an individual person 
whose gender is not necessarily being identified. Mm. So uh, it, it goes a long way back. And the what we call today the neo-pronouns, the, the Z and here, and uh, pronouns like that, hisser and himmer and e and per, they start getting invented, coined in the late 18th to the mid-19th century. So really? They're, they're not, you know, we call them neo-pronouns, but they're not neo in the, in the sense that they've been around for a couple of centuries. Wow. But, and, but, wow. be, but because they've been out of, like, our lexicon, they are yeah. considered neo. Yeah, yeah. So in, in, in a way, they are, uh, well, we don't want to call them neocon because that's not such a great word, but they are, uh, they're new to us, but some of them have been around for 150 to 200 years. The, the earliest one that I found that was coined is a pronoun E, just the capital letter E, for a person of, uh, whose gender identity is not known or needs to be hidden for whatever reason or wow. is somehow irrelevant. And that was coined in 1841 by a doctor who decided that medicine wasn't exciting enough and he wanted to write a grammar book. And he coined this pronoun because he said, well, we need, we need a pronoun like this because uh, English, uh, there's a missing word in English. And he was going to supply it. This got me to thinking about like gendered, like how you just said, like E kind of stood in the in the in the frame of whether someone's gender was disclosed or not. And I got to thinking about like gendered language, how we do like John Doe and Jane Doe when talking about like suspects or victims. What's the non-binary version of that? (laughs) Like, what would you just say? Like J Doe? You know? Right. Uh, Yeah. Why not? You know, I, I actually haven't seen one, but that is a great idea. Yeah. I would encourage uh, that uh, starting today, all what your I, listeners. And what I found so interesting is that, like, as language evolves, I saw earlier today that thou used to be the singular mm-hmm. and then you was the plural. So how do we exactly. get from point A to point B? Like, as someone well, who, who knows all of, the, all of the good stuff and the linguistics and how our language has shifted, how do we get from you being they to you being singular and now all of these conversations seem to be new to us today. Yeah, because that, that, that sort of happened around the 17th century, and it didn't happen overnight. It took, you know, 100 years or more to evolve. But the uh, singular pronouns for the second person in English were always the TH pronouns, thou, thee, thy, thine. And the plural pronouns were always you and your. And uh, around the 17th century, you started taking over the role of the TH pronouns. Mm. And guess what? Some people said, hey, that's ungrammatical. You can't do that. There was a guy who wrote an entire book in, in 1660 complaining that singular you is totally ungrammatical and should be condemned by everybody who wants to use good English. And, of course, everybody ignored that book. And now it's so entrenched in the language that we forget that there once were, you know, uh, uh, there once was a distinction between thou 
and you. We think of thou as sort of biblical or Shakespeare, and, you know, everybody's heard of, of thou, and they, they use it when they want to sound old-fashioned, you know, to be funny or to be cute. Yeah. Uh, and in parts of parts of uh, Britain, you still hear people in in the countryside using th forms of pronouns, uh, but it's not considered standard. It's considered dialect. Mm. So the u form is so universal that and it, and it is so you know entrenched in the singular and the plural that sometimes we have to make up new second person plurals to make sure we're talking to more than one person and that's where you get you guys which some people say is oh that's gendered i say y'all yeah i say y'all too because i'm from the south (laughs) right and then you get y'all and you get use that's jersey that's that's jersey (laughs) yes that's that's urban it's scottish uh it's irish i don't know about Uh, urban and per, per, it is it is east definitely east coasty. Yes. And, well, uh, professor, did, what, professor did a sorry because we we actually have to wrap, and I could honestly, yeah, I need yeah. an audio book for you. Honestly, like, you are okay, so. There good. is an audio version of my book. Well, oh. all right. Well, then everybody needs to go get it. He is the author of What's Your Pronoun Behind uh, Beyond He and She. It's out right now. Go support it because it's really some interesting history. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Dennis Barron. Well, really interesting stuff. Great interview, Ryan. Thank you so much. It was really interesting to know the history of pronouns and how they've always been around and how we just continue to screw everything up. (laughs) Typical. (laughs) Well, next up on the show, speaking of messing things up, why your therapist might want to dump you and what to do about it. That's next. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Just like relationships, some of us love to uh, be polyamorous, polygamous, monogamous, You might treat your therapist the same way, too. You might not always have the same therapist, you know, or you might jump around. But what happens when it's not about you choosing your therapist, but your therapist chooses you or wants to dump you? What do you do about it? Back with us is clinical psychologist Dr. Josh Claypo. Thanks again for being with us. It's been a while. It has been a while. How are y'all doing? Great. You know, we love having you on. So... 
as a professional, you mm-hmm. have clients. Have you done this before? And how, how did you go about, you know, handling it? And Well, I, I must say I take issue with the word dump. Oh, <laughs> yes, of course. It's a bit tricky. Like, it has. I mean, it, it's got a great um, theatrical sort of feel to yes. it. But as, as a therapist, we don't um, don't dump our clients. There's. It does happen. I mean, and it can happen for a lot of different reasons. You know, if you want to talk about sort of the most practical, superficial, non-deep, sometimes it has to do with insurance um, and changing over because of fee structure or payment. Um, while we're, we're not really supposed to, um, you know, you don't let a, a client go just because of payment. It, that is, you know, that, that, that is an issue. If you're no longer on a provider panel, um, then you are no longer able to see them to be billed under insurance. And that becomes an issue. You know, you literally, they have to make a decision. Do they want to pay out of pocket or do they want to use their insurance? And if you're no longer a provider, then they have to choose someone else. So that happens all the time. I think the next level down though, gets more interesting. Um, One has to do with if we feel like the client is really not making progress with us, that what we're offering them and what we're doing with them, they're sort of steady state and there's just not a lot of progress being made. While the client can say, you know, I like to keep coming. I want to keep coming. And there's a lot of therapists that will keep saying them after a while. I think it's part of your ethical duty to say, you know, just we're not making much progress here or any. And I think you might be better suited with somebody else. Um, And let me say this. When that happens, it's not a dump. It's usually a referral. If yeah. you're not, you, you're not, we're not doing well together, but let me offer you this person. That just um, sounds that's, like a nice version of a dump. It still feels yeah, like well, a dump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's not, you know, it's kind of like not being like ghosting someone because at least you're not doing that. You're just like, yeah, this isn't work for me. And I also watched a. Uh, uh, in treatment, I believe is the HBO Max show, uh-huh. and that's a really mm-hmm. that happens, and it's actually it, it's a it's a therapist that actually talks, and you see the sessions each week pass by on HBO Max. I would recommend it's good. Mm. Um, I know Ryan recommends, um, but I think it's really interesting because I always wonder with therapists, um, is it a lot to take on? Because it does essentially, depending on who you're talking about, how many clients you have. There is a lot of trauma that you're working through. And I always wonder, does a therapist have a therapist? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's the same way. And you can think about this. This is my favorite analogy. You know, would a physician have a physician? And and on the one hand, we would say, of course, right? And yet we see a lot of physicians who have real unhealthy uh, lifestyles and practices, and they have health problems, right? Well, it kind of goes the same way. You want your psychologist to be psychologically sound, but they got issues too. So therapists do have therapists because you want them to be on the top of their game. Um, I do think, Ryan, your point's well taken. You as a psychologist have to determine your workload. Um, how much can you sort of handle, not just logistically, but psychologically? Uh, the way we practice, typically on a 50-minute hour, you only have so many hours in a day. Um, and after a while, you may need to take a break. Um, it may be too much to see, you know, eight patients uh, five days a week. Uh, but that some of that comes with the training and the experience. But I do think that the sort of transitioning patients really has to do with either the logistic piece, the lack of progress, or to be honest, when we feel like a, a, a patient or a client 
is, um, I don't know how to say this, is inappropriate, but not mm. in a psychiatric way. Yeah. They're just, um, it's not a good fit. Um, it's not even that progress is about being made. It's just that we are not helping them. I think the last piece, which gets even more, if you want to say spicy, is when we get a lot of what we call countertransference. When the client, when we're having a hard time choosing the client because the client is triggering some stuff in us oh. that is taking us off of our game. Oh, um, we've never talked a, about that, but that totally makes sense. That's so interesting. Yeah, and and again, we're, we're taught how to sort of stay and walk that line, but if you're seeing someone for a while and it, they are just, you know, and you use that as part of therapy, your frustration or your irritation with them is very often a sign of how they treat the rest of the world. That being said, there are times where you're just like, look, this is not working for me. Now, you don't always say that, but it is not working for me, and I think you would do better off with somebody else. And again, the ethical part is not to say thanks, bye, but to facilitate that referral as a healthcare provider. Totally. But what if, yeah, I mean, I love all this. What if the client has dealt with abandonment issues and you're like, you have to deal with that in a very sensitive way? Yeah. Well, that's why I don't like, we don't dump clients. Like, that's exactly why. You don't, you know, you never say, hello, and by the way, today's going to be our last session and I will never see you again. Yeah. um, You just don't do that. Um, you do have to transition, and I think the other piece to, to, to realize is if you're transitioning, maybe you're, you're peeling back on the number of patients you're seeing, or yeah. maybe you're going off network. Mm-hmm. You have to let them go and transition in a very gentle way because there is a huge amount of attachment that you do form with your therapist. So it, we, we approach it very carefully. Dr. Josh, it was so good having you back on the show. It's been a minute, it feels like. Well, you know where to find me. I'm always here for y'all. I know. I just missed you. I just had that come over. You tried to dump us. No. <laughs> He's lying. That's, that's what he does. He throws it on you. That's what he does. Yep, that's perfect so, gaslighting. <laughs> uh, that was clinical psychologist Dr. Josh Claypo. Thanks again. Thank you. You're our favorite. Well, next up, why does Mark Zuckerberg want to change Facebook's name? And what could the options be? Well, I don't know if anything could help that like dumpster fire let's go there with shira and ryan channel q in the midst of all the controversy facebook might be changing their name Ooh. yeah can you imagine i mean what do you think it would be called i don't know you know facebook is so good at stealing like other ideas from other companies or like just like either you know basically taking those ideas and making them their own and then just kind of completely shutting out or monopolizing these other companies. I think maybe they'll just take someone else's name. Call it Snack instead of Snap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, and also or, I don't even know what the purpose of this rebrand is. Mm-hmm. It's like they're trying to get away from all the bad press, but it's still going to be there. They're trying to make it so that when you Google their name, nothing comes up. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I mean, we could tell you a little something about bad name changes. Well, um, this was originally reported by The Verge, who said that the name will connect to the company's focus on the metaverse, which is a new platform. They're developing a digital platform, including enhanced 
uh, or enhanced by augmented and virtual reality where oh people interact God. through digital avatars. Mark Zuckerberg must have really enjoyed the pandemic because he didn't want, he doesn't want to be around anyone else ever again. He's trying to create these VR worlds where we don't have to really be in, in the same spaces as one another. All we have to do is just virtually see each other. It's he like, like really enjoyed that. You don't see how awkward he is when he's trying to answer questions. Oh, God. <laughs> he's just a smile. His avatar is just going to be like open-eyed and smiling the entire time. But that's the thing. I watched that video when he announced the conference room thing that he was trying to do with uh, Gail King and she actually did it and the avatars just look weird like they're not even like human s they're like I don't know they're like video game avatars mm-hmm. so they're weird I don't know it's the first generation Ryan your kids you're gonna be able to tell them I saw the first generation avatars you should have seen us. I'm already gonna be able to tell them about dial-up internet what else do I need to tell them to prove that I'm old <laughs> I'm sure I can think of a lot. Well, uh, next up, Ruby Rose, the actress, is revealing another big reason why she left Batwoman. That is next and more What's Trending This Hour. Fail Book. That's their new name. Fail Book. <laughs> Good one. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Another throwback here on a Wednesday love triangle by New Order. Oh, uh, you know, oh my God, it's a funny thing. I had no clue, and I still kind of don't, who Van Halen is. I mean, I I know him. I don't know know him. They're I mean, a he group. Did, uh, but it was a person, though, I thought. Also. Mick Jagger. No, Mick Jagger's the Rolling Stones. Yes, you got that one right. But Van Halen had crazy hair. No, Van, Van Halen is a new uh, group from this era. They, they're kit. They're not kids. No, Van, Van Halen, Halen is, oh, this is, is really from bad. the 80s. We are digging a hole right 19... now. 19... <gasps> no, this is embarrassing. Oh, my gosh, that's another one. Just kidding. <laughs> This is like, does any boomer want to come and so and like and uh, get like quiz us? No, millennials the, the on classic music. Ameri- the, like this is okay. Rock. Let me tell you, this is the, the reason why I brought this up is because I uh, this week I had a quiz about eighty bands, eighties uh, bands, and I didn't know any. It, it's not an eighties band. It's from the seventies. They went from seventies to eighties. Are you kidding me? Like, stop it. Um, but, like, I I didn't know who Van Halen was. I thought uh, Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5. I thought that was the band, like, the, the, the Mick song? Jagger. I oh, thought Mick, Mick Jagger, Jagger was just a, his own person. But he was a part of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Which is, I, didn't I still don't know if they're named after the magazine or not. I'm, you know, there's oh, a lot. I know this fact. I what? know this fact because I watched the movie, um... Well, I don't. You don't <laughs> I don't remember the movie, but it's because that Rolling Stones like this um, song from. Oh wow, God. music wow. trivia. With I will tell you later. But they like this one song where we we get too distracted <laughs> that we can barely focus to remember the answers. Oh wow! Well, I hope everyone else knows they're rock stars. I, I hope you were entertained by sure, this. I was trending. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, coming up, why this queer actress dropped her historic Catwoman role? That's in the tear report in a moment. Plus, what? She was Batwoman. Oh, Batwoman. I knew I was <laughs> wrong. <laughs> you knew I was wrong. <laughs> Batwoman. Catwoman. Oh, my God. Those are two different people. Plus, the new uh, leave employees are asking for paternity leave. Paternity. Uh, guess what that means? That's in 30 minutes. I think we First, got it. Who knows? You know, maybe not. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. January 6th Committee Vice Chair Representative Liz Cheney called out House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy for attempting to block the investigation. I've heard from a number of my colleagues in the last several days who say they, quote, just don't want this target on their back. 
They're just trying to keep their heads down. They don't want to anger Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, who has been especially active in attempting to block the investigation of events of January 6th, despite the fact that he clearly called for such a commission the week after the attack. I ask each one of you to step back from the brink. And now respect for the U.S. has skyrocketed around the globe now that former President Donald Trump is out of office. Joe Biden's presidency, it seems like it's restored America's standing in the world's eyes in a dramatic manner, according to a new polling. While Biden has only been in office for six months, the median approval rating of the U.S. leadership has soared to 49 percent. It's a number that hasn't been seen since the beginning of former President Barack Obama's term in office. Trump had a 30 percent approval rating at the end of his presidency. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Ruby Rose is revealing another big reason why she left Batwoman on the CW. Um, it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. If you don't know, it was pretty iconic when they um, casted her originally for the first season. Now they've recasted her. A black woman's in the spot now. But Ruby is going to bat against the CW and Warner Brothers TV, claiming that the executives virtually forced her Batwoman exit by requiring her to return to work just days after ungo- uh, undergoing a major surgery as well as allegedly refusing responsibility for several severe onset injuries and creating a toxic environment. So this is how it all started. First, she asked fans to stop asking if she would ever return, saying, I wouldn't return for any amount of money, nor if a gun were to my head. Um, She then went on to drag the former CW president, Peter Roth, by saying that he used to make young women steam his pants around his crotch Mm -hmm. while while basically he was still wearing the pants, Mm -hmm. which if you think about steam, hot steam. Steam is hot. So, like, what what was that? That wouldn't even be safe. Gross. Um, She also blasted him for basically allegedly insisting she resume filming the series just 10 days after surgery for an injury she suffered on set. I mean, when I tell you this is a whole thing, Warner Brothers ended up responding, saying despite the revisionist history that Ruby Rose is now sharing online, aimed at the producers, the cast, and the crew, and the network, um, Warner Brothers Television had decided not to exercise its option to engage Ruby for season two um, based on multiple complaints about workplace behavior that was extensively reviewed and handled privately. So they're coming out guns a-blazing. Ruby's coming out guns a-blazing. It's getting messy. Somebody better call Batman. That's your T-Report. Catwoman. No. Well, next it's up. It's not Catwoman. <laughs> With music festivals coming back, what's behind the magic of live shows? We get into the science around it. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As live music comes back in person, many fans, all of you are rejoicing because it's just not the same virtually or over Zoom. It doesn't have that same uh, je ne sais quoi. I mean, that's true, but depending on who the artist is, you know, they just, they got it. And it doesn't matter where they're performing. They could be performing under a Brit, like a freeway. And I'd still be like, yes, that's True. amazing. I, I mean, you just I have to talent, with that. You know? But just, I, I think there are some people out there that just love live music and they really oh, missed sure. it during the pandemic. So, what's the secret behind the magic of live music? Well, music theorist Marius Kozak joins us right now, an associate professor mm. of music at Columbia University, who Ooh. wrote about this in the conversation. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Wow, you went to a fancy school. That's great. Congrats. Well, 
with that, great compliment. Um, Doctor, tell us about, I guess, the science behind live shows and why people love them. Certainly. So, uh, you know, many of us on the typical day-to-day basis experience music through uh, recordings. Um, Even when we attended live shows during the pandemic, it was usually over a computer because we couldn't hang out together. But it turns out that, you know, even though we experienced maybe some sort of pleasure from that, a big part of it was missing because we were missing other people around us. And music is a fundamentally social phenomenon and always has been. And so um, the fullness of this pleasurable experience really comes from being surrounded by other people and importantly, being able to move with them. Mm, Interesting. Move, like physically move? Physically move, yes. So music typically has a beat that uh, allows us to synchronize with it. And uh, when a bunch of people synchronize together, it creates a very pleasurable feeling that, uh, as it turns out, also functions uh, to create and strengthen social bonds. Um, People who are, you know, really familiar with one another, like friends and family members, tend to synchronize their gestures and and walking when they're together. Um, Babies, when they're bounced in synchrony with grown-ups, they tend to display greater altruism toward those people. So synchronization in general is very important to us, uh, to our social and emotional well-being. And music facilitates that by providing a beat with which we can all move together. I love how you just broke down music like we've never heard it before. No, it's I, like I it's, love that. Like, that's pretty cool. I, I think also, because everything is so heavily politicized with, like, the pandemic, and you can't go to shows without having a vaccine and the vaccine proof, you know, the card and all that stuff, it just feels like, do you think that's going to damage the experience of live music, especially if people who are vaccine hesitant can't go and enjoy live music like they once could? I mean... <laughs> I didn't know that you were going to go there with this question. I mean, why not? Let's talk about it. Our show's called Let's Go There. Yeah. You might have been on the wrong show. (laughs) I think that um, that's a very good question. You know, I think that in general, being around other people should be a comfortable experience. Mm. And if you're at a show and you're not exactly sure how, you know, what's going on around you with, with your fellow human beings, it's difficult to get into um, a groove with them. Mm. Um, so there's, there may be a sense of apprehension go- about going to a show without knowing that everyone there is vaccinating, uh, vaccinated and, and potentially you, you know, you're putting yourself at risk. But having said that, uh, you know, music also um, is, it's, it's, it, music is political, but can also allow people from different political areas to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing about, you know, synchronization over, uh, you know, together with sound waves is that, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're right wing or left wing, you can all feel the beat together and move to it together. Mm. Is there something also about the way we hear the music when it's coming from like our speaker or virtually than in person, like the way we're feeling the vibrations? Absolutely. That's a big part of it. So obviously when you go to a live show, you are feeling um, you know, typically music is much louder and you, you're, you're closer to kind of the, 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 the sonic experience itself than when you're at home. And especially if you're listening over headphones, over headphones, you're only getting the, um, the, the, the ear experience. Uh, but when you go to a show, you're feeling a full body experience. And um, also, uh, you know, just being in the physical presence of performers makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a recent study uh, done um that uh, compared movements of people who were listening to live performance 
versus uh, listening to a recorded performance. And there was greater sense of movement when it was live, when there was a performer on stage whom people could see and uh, and and uh, yeah and feel close to physically. Yeah, because we kind of uh, also take the energy from the performer, right? Mm-hmm. Precisely. A big part of performing is, you know, kind of relating to other people and communing with other people. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, anecdotally, I can tell you, I used to play in a country band when I lived in Chicago. Hello. And there was just something so incredibly powerful about starting a tune and then seeing people come up, you know, rise up from their, their tables and just get up and start dancing. I mean, that's, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's an incredible feeling for performers as it is for the people in the audience. Okay, well, uh-huh. interesting stuff. This is a great I was going to ask what your first live show is going to be or if you've gone to one already, but... If you have one, moment. I have not. I haven't gone to a live show yet. I did, um, but uh, hopefully, uh, in the next few weeks, I'll be able to go. Okay, there you have it. I want to hear what live show you've been. Oh yeah, yeah I, I went I to Jojo. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was Dr. Morius Kozak, associate professor of music at Columbia University. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Well, next up, this CEO sparked a heated debate over granting paternity leave for his employee. Is it a valid reason to get time off? We're going to get into that debate next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we've heard about maternity leave, paternity leave, but have you heard about paternity leave, P-A-W? Can you imagine what it is? Involving the paw babies, the fur babies, the animals. Should people be getting, employees be getting uh, paternity leave for when they get a puppy or, uh, yeah, um, their baby animal or even if it's old. Baby kitty, any animal. Well, I do, here's the thing. I do think there's something to be said about if you have an animal who's about to die or something in their old age and you have to kind of spend a little bit more time with them if they're sick and you can prove it by vet notes and all these things. Yeah, like, I get that. Like, maybe spending the last, like, if you know, like, they're about to, like, have to unfortunately pass like mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks, give them like some time to have that moment because animals are just like family members in, in, in ways, especially it can be very, very hard. And sometimes you do need a couple of days off. Yeah, that's if they're older. But what about when they're younger? They are also a handful to take care of. Are you kidding me? Have yeah, you- I know. I When when we actually got Bentley, my um for my past relationship. Yes. Yeah, that was very tiring. Thankfully, yeah. we got him over a weekend and my ex worked from home, but I don't know how people do it. It Well, it's it can be difficult. It really can be difficult. In those first like couple of months, I mean, they're just like babies. I mean, my vet has always told me to think of my dog as like a toddler. Like they have the capacity and brain yeah. capacity of understanding as like a toddler would. Mm. And so... um yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, I yeah, I, I think it's nice. It's just kind of like when companies offer you pet insurance. Oh, they do? Yeah, our company does. Oh, oh I don't know that because I don't have an animal. They, oh, mean, they do? So Coco's yeah. on, under Odyssey Insurance? No, I didn't take it because I don't need y'all taking no extra damn money on my check. That is true. <laughs> insurance should always be a, an addition. How is that a perk if you're still taking money from me? <laughs> It's not a perk. I don't need nothing else. I got her on a good um, little plan, and she's taken care of. Cute. Well, this whole debate was brought up actually on LinkedIn. The CEO and founder at Box Park asked, one of my staff has asked for paternity leave because he has a new puppy. What do you think? Uh, And actually, there was an overwhelming amount of people who said no. 
61% said no. Said no. That they didn't 39% said yes. Yes, that means there are a lot of people out there that think, yeah, this does not make sense. Well, because people are heartless. You said it. And I feel like you say no if you don't have an animal. Yeah, because you don't understand what it really takes. People think just having animals is just easy. No, it's, it's, I mean, it is once you get them to a certain kind of routine. But for the most part, when you're getting a, a pet settled and you have to be there, and especially if you're leaving them at home by themselves, it can be, it can be hard. So here's the thing. Do you really need leave or can, can you just work from home during that time? Oh, well, maybe now you can work from home. Yeah. But that wasn't possible before the pandemic. That is true. Yeah, we're looking at things differently. Uh, someone in the comments said, Europe seems to have the time off balance figured out much better on dogs specifically. If you don't have time to spend with high energy dogs, get a cat or fish. I had someone ask me for a recommendation How for a dog. How about you get a cat or fish? Don't tell me what the <laughs> hell to get. Are you kidding me? So this is really interesting how this sparked this like huge debate. 34,000 people voted on this. Wow, people are awful. I mean... You're saying to me that I can't take time off from my dog, but you're talking well, taking time off for these LinkedIn polls. Well, I, I don't think you should own a pet at all. I didn't even bring myself into this. I know, but I'm just saying in general, I'm not ready. I don't think you could ever own a pet. That's not true. I think at a certain point I can when I'm more at home. Not now. Though. No. That is so unfair. I know. If you get a dog, your partner's going to be taking care of them. Just like they're going to be taking care of Watch out, Ryan. I'm going to prove you wrong. Your partner cleans your room. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now coming up, would you get a hand lift? Oh, I thought you were going to say a hand. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, it depends on who it's from. (laughs) We get into this new trend next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You've all heard about a facelift. Well, what about a hand lift? I'm not talking about some sort of uh, sexual favor. (laughs) I'm talking about an actual like lift, like your skin is lifted and tightened on your hands. So I don't know if you experienced this, Ryan, because you're young. Yes, (laughs) you're right. I can't wait for the moment where you're like, yeah, I'm old too, yeah. I feel feel old now, if I'm being honest. Oh no. Yeah, I do, I do feel old now, but I'm young. You are. That's, I'm always going to be. You old is. I feel like I'm I don't young think at old heart. is ever a thing. It only is about like you because you can feel young. You yeah. Can, you can experience life still young. Totally. Just you know. So, but the thing is, you sometimes can't control your body and what it does as you get older. Well, you can. You can have facelifts like you know the Kardashians, but. Girl, your hands will. So that's all. the thing. So a lot of times you'll see someone and. Some parts of their body, you're like, wow, that's tight. Like, they look really young. But then they always say you could see the age on the hands or the chest also. Oh, I've never thought about that. It's only really, for me, it's always been the hands. So, like, if you're watching, like, if you see the Kardashians, you see J-Lo. J-Lo in particular, actually, because obviously she looks so young. Like, and of course, she still is because technically, like, what, 52 is still pretty young. But, um, girl... Just like Shakira's hips don't lie, your hands don't lie. Well, there's a reason why this happens, and I want to get into the hand lift and how much it costs and all that, so stick around. Your hands are typically exposed to a lot of the elements, and they're more delicate, right? So you forget, like, you should be putting sunscreen on your hands, right? But my thing is, why do we even care? 
why are we doing all this stuff to make our hands look so young and our face look all young? Because it makes us feel good. We're a vain society. Or does it? Are we only doing it because we want to be like deemed beautiful? And why? Yeah, it's it's for validation as well. But old should be looked at as beautiful. Totally. I think it's a a personal thing. Some people feel the need. I think that we all the reality is you either are just like yeah bring it I'm getting old I'm not doing anything you're the middle person who's like I'm gonna do the most I can just to like stay healthy be put together but I'm not gonna maybe go to the extreme of like try to reverse this like I still accept it and then there's the third tier of like I'm doing it all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right you know and and you play in some of those places it's a spectrum but there's now this, uh, I'm getting to this, this hand lift. It's $2,000, between that and $4,000, depending on what is done. And basically, they add filler. There's a volume of filler that's used. Um, this doctor, painful. this plastic surgeon said that people who received hyaluronic acid filler, which is the most common, can expect to see results last for nine months to a year. Small entry. Are this? Are you ready for this? This is how it's done. Small entry points are made on the back of the hands, in between tendons and bones, and small amounts of either that hyaluronic acid filler or biostimulating agents. I don't know what that means. Are slowly injected. The uh, product is then gently massaged so that it can be evenly distributed throughout the entire back of the hands. It sounds like you're reading like one of my prescription bottles. (laughs) I mean, it. It might. Seem boring, but this is actually very interesting. If you're actually no, 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 I didn't say that as in like it was sounded boring. It's oh, just, oh it just, I heard you. Yeah, you're right. Um, and <laughs> they say it, it often takes several uh, syringes to give you enough volume to make a meaningful improvement. The cost per vial of the filler ranges depending on what you're using and the part of the country you're in. I wonder if that stuff causes arthritis at our our carpal tunnel like quicker. Because if you play with your hands, I'm no, sorry, I feel some... like if anything, it fills it out. Maybe it like adds some. Uh, no, but car- carpal tunnel is like when your hand muscles kind of like well, that's get stuck. Different. And... That's. But you never know. Putting stuff in your hands ain't supposed to be in there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it you never know with this type of stuff. It's not, it's not as much that. You just don't, never know. Like, I've known people that put it in their face and yeah, uh, tons of they get par- they temporarily, <laughs> but that they've gotten temporarily paralyzed because they oh. hit the wrong thing. See? Yeah. They must have went to like a cheap doctor. They tried to get a deal or something, and they didn't. They were like, I don't want to pay the full price. I'm just going to go down the street. Uh, and then there's also lasers that you can use the whole thing. I do want to get, like, you know, the shots for um, preventative for, like, sweating underneath your armpits. That's oh, just that's for still Botox. Yeah, like Botox Is that and in your, stuff. Um, yeah. And then armpits. in my forehead. Like, I do you mind. sweat that much under your armpits? I don't, but I just, you know, if I just want to get rid of just the sweat. Just for fun? Just to get rid of but it. But I feel like sweat is it's meant to sweat out. Like, it's not. Have you smelled you lately? <laughs> you know what? I'm letting it out. <laughs> and it tells you a lot about what you're going through. If you take the smell away, you might have a health issue and might not realize. So you're okay with putting fillers in your hands and blowing them up like it's like balloons? <laughs> no, not like a bl- <laughs> one of those things. Like, we're like, yeah, no. I don't know. I, I would be down for a laser. That's why I wash my neck and, and like my chest. And, you, well, and like, you should. <laughs> That's just a part Scrub of bathing. It. <laughs> Scrub it with my face stuff because I want it to have the same impact like on my face as this the other parts. Because your face is not the only thing you should be focusing on. All right. And sunscreen, please, everywhere. Yes, that's true. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. 
Yes, Queen. Now, actress Jamie Lee Curtis is introducing the world to her trans daughter, Ruby. Yes, we. It was so good, and and you know we talked about it in the T report earlier that we just had to give it our yes, Queen of the day. Like, there's nothing else topping that. Yeah, it, it's really beautiful. Uh, nearly three months after revealing that her youngest child is transgender, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis sat down for an interview with her daughter Ruby about her transition and journey to self-acceptance. And uh, Jamie even admitted that learning new terminology and words has been a challenge, but she is determined to put in the work for Ruby. And it's just really nice to see, and this was in People, but just this um, dynamic between a parent and a child going through this, and it sets a great example for other families going through this, Mm -hmm. and that they're not alone, and that there's connection there and growth to be had all around. Oh, so true. And that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And guess what? That also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern on tomorrow's show. Of course, we've got great music here on Channel Q always, but we're also going to be getting into how Gen Z is using social media to spread the word on Spirit Day. Uh, plus, we've got updates on the Gabby Petito case It's a lot. That's tomorrow. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering what issues are solvable in a relationship. That's next. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? Nerd Wallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.